start recording now. Hello and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. I am your moderator and we're as always being joined by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari who both were at PPG Paints Arena tonight to witness a 5-1 win over the Devils. No six-goal comeback this time by the Devils that would fall short. A little bit more easy game for the Penguins and the return for Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, both of you guys will be writing uh, stories for the website tonight. Uh, Taylor, I'll start with you. What's the headline you're working on? Yeah, I'm writing about Kapanen's return. I, I This was a lot sooner, I think, than most of us expected, even, uh, you know, given Hextall's original timeline of, of uh, 10 to 14 uh, games when he spoke after the um, the trade deadline. But, I mean, for him to have one full practice and then step in uh, the way he did, and, I mean, a goal and an assist. And, uh, he, I mean, he was on the fourth line, so he didn't have maybe the minutes he, he nor he was used to. But, uh, I mean, he he looked good. He was fast. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just – he yeah, he looked good. Sullivan said he was managing, you know, his minutes a little bit long – a little bit more. You know, if he had a, a long shift, uh, he would, you know, sit him on the bench longer than he might otherwise. But uh, otherwise, I mean, I think he handled it well given uh, the circumstances. Dave, when you come back from such a bizarre game uh, as Tuesday night was where the roof nearly caved in and the, the sad sack devils almost – came all the way back to tie a game in which they were trailing 6 nothing. You probably look to your leaders to set the tone. And 41 seconds into the night, uh, the team's unquestioned leader set the tone. Did he not? Uh, yeah, he, he absolutely did. Uh, I mean, he, his line just dominated that shift from, uh, from the drop of the puck. Uh, and Crosby just looked driven uh, from the very start of the game, you could see that he had taken it upon himself to uh, try to lead the way for his team, and he certainly did. I mean, he had a a strong sixty-minute performance, but it, you know what he did on, on that first shift uh, really established uh, his team for this game, I believe. Taylor, there's one more here with the Devils. Uh, and again, I think most people would expect the Penguins to come out. But when, when we're talking about this kind of performance, you have to think there's at least a, at least one eye cast toward next week, uh, starting with Sunday. Two with the Bruins. And by the way, we will have Bob Beers, the radio voice of the Bruins, joining us in the third segment. And after those two games, a showdown with the Capitals, uh, a couple of games that may end up determining who wins this division. Uh, they've got to get, they've got to sharpen up, right? Because as they come down the home stretch with some really big games on the horizon. Yeah, I mean the 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 game last they came away, you know, uh, Tuesday one goal game that isn't going to fly against some of these stronger teams. Um, but I, I, this was an encouraging response, especially from uh, Tristan Jari, who had a really strong game after really uh, having a rough game on Tuesday especially, but I think, you know, this was a really good response and a really good sign that last game was definitely a fluke and that they're going to be in okay shape heading into those tougher games. Uh, Dave, uh, a pretty, uh, again, Kapanen probably being the, the the star of the game, so to speak, with his comeback. 
Who else caught your eye tonight uh, in a pretty well-rounded performance? Well, uh, Crosby, as we mentioned earlier, I thought right. had, a, had a really good game. Uh, Jari had a uh, a better game than I think uh, the Penguins probably wish would have been necessary. He finished with 30 saves, and he had uh, a handful of, of pretty good ones in the third period when I, when I don't think the Penguins shut things down quite the way they would have liked to after the uh, the third period disaster from uh, two nights earlier. I think they would have really liked to clamp down on the Devils then. But New Jersey had some pretty good chances, but, you know, Jari made certain that uh, the Devils not never got the goal that could have given them uh, some sort of spark uh, and hopes of uh, staging another comeback like they had on Tuesday. Yeah, they were outshot eleven to four in the in the third period. So the Devils definitely were pushing back. But uh, yeah, Jari was huge for keeping that uh, as you know, keeping them from getting back in it. Uh, obviously, as as we say, that the Penguins are in, in fantastic shape as far as making the playoffs. Fifth place, New York lost. The Rangers lost again tonight. They're they're eleven back. Uh, but more importantly, guys, I mean, <laughs> you look at the standings. Uh, all three teams. Washington, Pittsburgh, Islanders on 47 games. The Washington Capitals and Penguins, uh, 64 points with Washington, 63 points for the Penguins, 63 points for the Islanders. I mean, this is going to be really an exciting finish, and one of these teams is going to end up without home ice advantage, Taylor. How just excited are you to, to see kind of how this shakes out in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, especially with these games coming up against the Capitals. I think those should be really intense. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen the Capitals since, uh, you know, the trade deadline and, uh, you know, the moves they made. And it, I think it should be – the games, they're always, you know, intense uh, matchups. But uh, with so much on the line and then, uh, you know, key pieces on both sides, it should be really entertaining. Dave, Penguins, 18-3-2 at home. Islanders, 19-2-3 at home. Both of them are like 500 teams on the road. Uh, I've asked you this on, on on different occasions this year. Do you still not think home ice? Or I don't want to put words into your mouth. Do you, do you think uh, coming down the stretch, at least securing home ice for around, around is important to these guys? Oh, I, I think they would like to do it, but I, I think they'll probably, if, if you gave them a choice between being guaranteed home ice for a round of the playoffs and having their game in order, I think they would uh, absolutely go for the latter. I think it's much more important to be playing well going into the playoffs than than it is to have home ice advantage because, you know, that can, uh, you can lose that in one game. Uh, And the the Penguins have played pretty well on, on Long Island this year. You know, if, if they would, uh, happened to finish third and the Islanders second in the division. I don't think the Penguins would be terribly put off by by having to go to uh, Nassau Coliseum for four of the, the seven games. I and think I, the, by the same token, I don't think the Islanders, you know, would be intimidated coming into Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I think the, the way that you present it, though, is is a nice way of putting it because, let's face it, if the Penguins play really well down the stretch – there's a good chance they're going to get one of those spots, right? Uh, playing very well probably means you're going to beat Boston 
once or twice and maybe uh, uh, the, the Capitals once or twice kind of going with, with – they still have some games with Buffalo, right? Two to two with Buffalo to finish out? Yeah, Correct. the very last series against uh, in the yeah. season is Buffalo at home. So, I mean, if, if, if these guys play really well down the stretch, there's I think there's a pretty good chance of, of a playoff series starting in Pittsburgh. Um, Taylor, anything else from tonight's game – that you you found important um, in, in in assessing this five one win. Um, it was nice to see uh, production from from Bluger. The I mean the he had what a goal and an assist. He, he assisted on Kapanen's the primary assist on Kapanen's goal. Then he, the shorthanded goal uh, was was big uh, for you know stopping them from getting back in and really putting it out of reach. Um, yeah, that was that was just good to see from him. We haven't seen a shorthanded goal in a while. I don't think. Um, Oh, and Cece, I think Cece's on a four-game point streak right now, um, which I don't think anyone expected that coming into the season, uh, him to be uh, contributing as much as he has. Uh, very, very well. Uh, all right, well, that's it for the first segment of our, of our podcast on the 66 to 87. Uh, please stay with us. Uh, we'll have our roundtable segment. We bat around some issues coming up. And then don't forget, we'll have Bob Beers uh, along to preview the big two-game set with the Boston Bruins, which starts Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Please stay with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. Uh, Bob Beers, uh, the radio voice of the Boston Bruins, will be joining us a little bit later. But as usual here in our second segment, we like to bandy around a few topics. And and as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, one of the more important things, I think, in a a playoff series is managing momentum swings. Uh, It's so critical. Uh, team, your team can be just going along fine. Your goalie gives up a bad goal, or you're going along fine, and all of a sudden you've got to kill off a, a, a double minor or a major penalty. Uh, and, and to me, how you handle those swings and how quickly you can get momentum back is so important in the playoffs. And I'm bringing this topic up because of kind of what happened with with Tuesday night, uh, which of course was NHL history. Uh, the Penguins became the first team in the history of the NHL to win a game in which they allowed five or more goals or to be outscored by five or more goals in the third period. Now, that alone, of course, is 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 something, a, a kind of a one-off. But recently, when you look back uh, in this past month, April 3rd, uh, the Penguins give up three goals in a five-minute span uh, in Boston, end up losing seven to five. Three days later, they gave up three goals in the first 10 minutes of an eight to four loss. And even when they kind of climbed back into the game against the Rangers on April 6th, they gave up two goals in 19 seconds to really kind of put the game completely out of reach. 
my question to you guys is this a concern is this is are are they developing a bit of a glass jaw here in situations where that they're they're giving up goals in bunches and is that a, is that a worry for you guys taylor um you know cuz i'm i'm not sure i think you know this you look at this game and you look at um we talked about it last show with the uh, game against uh, the Sabres where they lost and the kind of theme in the post game after was, you know, that they got, they just got outworked, um, which uh, kind of concerning, I guess, to hear at this point in the season. But I also don't think that that's going to be an issue in the playoffs. Um, you know, if that is the reason or like the main reason for these kind of, uh, I guess, spurts that we're seeing from uh, other teams, uh, then I, I, I think it's just going to be a different animal in the playoffs. And in, in that, if that's the case, then maybe, it shouldn't be that much of a concern, but uh, I guess you don't know. Dave? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they've gotten a lot of credit this year for being resilient, which they certainly have been when you look at uh, all of the major injuries they've suffered and the, and the players they've had to go without. Uh, they've also gotten credit for uh, a, a lot of good response games, but I, I guess my question would be, are they have, having to have response games too often? You know, yeah. are they having these breakdowns and lapses and, you know, and, and just flat performances, uh, you know, too often and being able to bounce back from them is a wonderful thing, but it's even better if you don't have to bounce back in the first place. Yeah. I, I think that, that again, in, in this, this kind of stuff gets magnified and, and granted I am cherry picking here, uh, but I'm cherry picking in the, in the past all in the, in the month of here of, of April, these things have happened recently. And again, knowing full well that you're missing three important forwards, including uh, Kappen and, and Malkin. So sometimes those are the type of guys that can get you a goal right back and, 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 and kind of stop the bleeding. But I just, I've seen this happen in playoff series, not just with the Penguins, with other teams. Momentum swings fast in the playoffs. Uh, we've seen it. I, I, you think of a couple of years ago, and I think we've talked about it on this podcast, with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Sharks, uh, the Vegas had the game absolutely won. They give up the five-minute power play, and they give up four goals, three or four goals, and lose game a game seven. It can turn quickly. I would think, Taylor, do you think that, again, maybe this, again, is cherry-picking, that this team is, 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 is a veteran enough team that they can withstand this once uh, you get to the more critical games, maybe focus is a little stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, um, you know, getting Malkin back would be big for that too. Uh, but yeah, like they, I, I don't think that, I, I don't think that the momentum swings, that's going to be as much of an issue in the, in the playoffs with this uh, roster. And a, a lot of these games that they have had, uh, where we see this happen, it, it is against, uh, you know, the bad teams, like we've talked about, who really have nothing to, to play for. So they're playing without any pressure and that can maybe help them in, in this situation. So um, like we said, it's, it's just going to be so different in the playoffs. Okay. No, um, and before we, yeah, be, yeah, lest, go ahead. We let, lest we let them off the hook for Tuesday, you've got to remember that not only is New Jersey, you know, to put it charitably in a rebuilding phase, but uh, in that game, the devils were out without their number one goalie. They're, two best defensemen and, and three of their top four scores. And to allow that team to outscore you six to one in a period is, you know, that's, that's troubling. No matter, no matter what you determine the, uh, the cause of it was. 
Yeah. And again, and again, this, this will all, uh, uh, regular seasons is one thing. I just, you know, this is to me, one of those things that in playoff games, you, again, we, I just keep going back to these are the types of things that can turn a game or turn a series. Uh, and you just hope you're buttoned up on those kind of things. As Taylor mentioned, as we talked about it, it, it once they, if they indeed get all three of those forwards back, you hope that uh, they can rest momentum back quicker than they have in these examples that we just cited. Uh, gang, uh, a lot of times, uh, Boston obviously is coming. Uh, Boston will be playing the, the Penguins on Sunday and Tuesday. Uh, then obviously the, the Capitals, a huge uh, a couple games with them. We always talk about – all of us always talk about the great rivalry with Crosby and Ovechkin. I want to go a, a little bit different route here. The two guys that know each other well, who have been uh, international teammates, uh, Crosby and Patrice Bergeron. Uh, both of them are getting a little bit long in the tooth in their careers. Both of them surefire Hall of Famers. Uh, we always seem to want to talk about the the next great player or the guy who's just burning it up right now. And you see Twitter and you can't help but look at all these highlights of Connor McDavid and, and players such as that. Taylor, can you give me a sense of your appreciation for the careers of both of these guys in Crosby and Bergeron and in some ways and how they're kind of linked uh, just internationally age and what they've been able to perform in the league? Yeah, I think with both of them, um, you know, just they're they're so strong. Like over overall, it, like they really have two strong defensive games, um, and I think maybe like especially with Bergeron, maybe that's why he maybe overlooked, uh, maybe not appreciated enough because uh, being a very good defensive player, very good on the penalty kill and faceoffs, is not uh, as flashy, I guess, as you know some of the stuff you see Conor McDavid doing uh, on a regular basis. So. Um, but yeah, just two really good uh, two-way players, and like you said, good uh, international success. Um, uh, yeah, they're uh, yeah. Bergeron, though, yeah, he doesn't get enough uh, recognition, I think, around the league. Dave, we we spoke about this off the air before, as in our prep here. Uh, their games aren't necessarily similar in style, uh, but Patrice Bergeron reminds me a bit of Ron Francis back in the days when he came to Pittsburgh. Uh, not as to use Taylor's word, not flashy, but he just does so many things well. Uh, can you speak to whatever you see if, if you do see similarities in, in, in how they've gone about their business and how well they've played uh, two way games? Well, yeah, I mean, neither of them is flashy, uh, both of them are exceptional two way players. I mean, Francis already is in the Hall of Fame and Bergeron will join him, I assume, three years after he retires because he certainly should get in at, at the earliest opportunity. Uh, yeah, you know, Bergeron isn't going to make the, uh, you know, the breathtaking skate through five guys end-to-end -end rush like uh, McDavid uh, does occasionally. But, you know, there's not a, uh, a team in the league that wouldn't be delighted to add a guy like him. I mean, there's just, there are no meaningful flaws in his game. Um, he's just a, a tremendous, uh, in the current vernacular, 200-foot uh, player. 
Taylor, Learning what the we, stops he does or like making defensive plays like that is not going to get him on the sports center top 10. But I think, you know, other like his teammates appreciate and like other players appreciate what he does. Taylor, I'll, okay, we've talked a lot here about Bergeron. Let's let's go back to the local guy here. I, I almost feel that that it lo- as, I mean, he's played here in Pittsburgh so long. Uh, almost City Crosby's getting to the point now where I don't think he even gets uh, the recognition that he once did because again, we were always looking for the the next great highlight or the next great player. I almost get, I'm getting to the point where I. I you just don't even people don't cons- I don't want to say consider him for MVP, but he just doesn't get the love maybe he once did just because he's done it for so long, has been so consistent. Uh, do you get a sense and when you look around the league and watch other teams and you listen to national broadcasts that 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 his the appreciation for him has maybe slipped a little bit when they t- when those conversations all about the younger players. Yeah, like you said, you know, it's the guys like McDavid or like Nathan McKinnon coming up and, and they're obviously, uh, I guess you could say more of the faces uh, now of the league. And yeah. But uh, Crosby, he's he's still one of the, like I mean, we've talked about, like one of the better defensive players in the league. He should, uh, Sullivan's talked about it, you know, uh, Thursday morning about, uh, you know, he could be a sulky candidate. He should be a sulky candidate every year. I mean, it's, but, I mean, Patrice Bergeron is probably one of the reasons that he's never won it. Um, but, uh, yeah, Crosby just, uh, doesn't, um, get the recognition, I guess that maybe he should just because he's done it so long, like you said, and that, you know, the new guys like McKinnon and, uh, McDavid are coming up too. And even, even the things that, that Crosby does that, that make you shake your head in, in wonderment aren't as spectacular as they, as they were earlier in his career. You know, the, the things he does now that, that just like I say, leave you, leave you shaking your head is, is the way he's able to consistently score goals from along the goal line. (laughs) You read my mind, Dave. I was just going to ask you that. It's amazing. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not, you know, an end end rush. He's, he's not necessarily weaving through opposing players or anything like that, but he's, you know, he's executing a shot that I don't know that there's anybody in, in the game who can who can do it as remotely a, a, as consistently as he does? Uh, it's yeah, it, it might seem like a little thing, but for p- people who who know and appreciate the game, it's it's pretty incredible, right? Well, I, I remember uh, Dave. It was like I think the practice before Crosby's thousandth uh, thousandth game. You asked Sullivan like if you could take one element of Crosby's game and give it to like the rest of the players on your team. Sullivan said his play below the goal line, um, and uh, I mean that makes sense. They probably get a lot more goals that way if if they could all score like he does from there. He is the you know what Tim in in my years of watching the sport and maybe when you when you get Gretzky and, and Lemieux that, that clouds this a little bit but since that era he is one of the best bad goal scorers I've ever seen and, and I mean that as a compliment just what kind of what Dave was talking about and what Taylor just alluded to uh, in, in Mike Sullivan's praise because I think coaches are always trying to get players to shoot from bad angles because a it may go in and B, if it doesn't go in, it creates chaos. And Crosby, though, <laughs> a lot of these goals that go in aren't luck. Uh, how many times have we seen him from behind the goal line bank pucks in off of players 
Uh, and then just that goal line extended shot. Uh, he had one the other night, I think, uh, in just a recent game where just impossible angle, and yet he, yet he threads it in there. Um, and, and I would have to think, Dave, that, that that's something that comes with practice. That's not just, eh, let's see what happens here. He has a plan when he does that. Yeah, I mean, he, he's as committed to his craft as, as anyone I've ever seen in this game. Uh, I don't think that a, as a natural talent, he compares to somebody like Lemieux, not that many people would. Um, sure. But I think hard work and, and dedication has a lot more to do with, with his success and, and the level that he has reached with his game than it does, you know, for, for most people. He's, you know, certainly he, uh, he had some, some outstanding natural ability, but he, he has maximized his potential as, as much as anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff on this thing. One, one, one last question here. We're, we're about 10 or 11 days out from the trade deadline, guys. Uh, obviously, the big move here was Jeff Carter. You look around the division, it was active. Who seems to have gotten the biggest boost around the league uh, from what they what they have done uh, since the trade deadline? Taylor? Yeah, I haven't um, seen much of the, the teams that the Penguins haven't played yet, obviously. Um, and to see their impact. I mean, just looking at the Bruins, um, I mean, Taylor Hall, hasn't he scored more points than he did or, or goals than he did <laughs> his entire time in, in Buffalo? So, I mean, that alone is big because the Bruins needed the secondary scoring so much um, yeah. that, you know, that, that that's huge for them and that could make them uh, dangerous uh, heading into the playoffs. Uh, uh, Dave, who would be your pick? Uh, probably Washington with, with Anthony Mantha. Um, I mean, I, it's no secret that he's a good young player and all of that, but he's been quite prolific, uh, you know, on something close to a goal a game pace with the Capitals, I believe. Um, I don't know that he'll be able to maintain anything close to that, but, uh, he has certainly had the impact that I think they were looking for and hoping for when, when they acquired him. Because, you know, they certainly paid a, uh, a steep price to get him. Yeah, uh, both good points. I, Taylor, I'm, I'm with you, and I, and I will point this out, that uh, in our business, sometimes the best columns are the ones you don't write. And uh, two weeks ago, I said, Do these Bruins look, they, they just look ripe for the picking right now. If I'm the Penguins, I line up to play them. Well, I don't think they've lost since then, uh, so what the hell do I know? But <laughs> one person who is in the know is Bob Beers, and when we come back, uh, we will talk to him to preview uh, the, the, the very important game, two games with the Penguins and the suddenly surging Boston Bruins here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. recording now welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on dk pittsburgh sports radio and we're delighted to be joined by the radio voice of the boston bruins their analyst and a pittsburgh native bob beers uh obviously the the uh penguins will and the and the saber or excuse me the bruins will be playing here 
very shortly. And uh, Bob, I mean, when you look around the league since the trade deadline, if you if you had to probably pick out one team that has really been impacted uh, by the deadline and the moves made, I think a lot of people point to Boston. How much of a game changer has this been shot in the arm has this been for the Bruins since the deadline? Well, I mean, it certainly helped their secondary scoring, right? Because, you know, you've got a good centerman in David Krejci, uh, who's the second-line center, and they really have had a revolving door, you know, with the with the wingers that have played with him. Um, you know, you can go back several years. When they did have success with David Krejci, you had, you know, Milan Lucic on one wing, Nathan Horton on another. Uh, maybe you had, um, 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 you know, Jerome McGinley on one wing. So it, it, he's he's gone through so many different wingers here over the past several years. So to get him, you know, a, a bona fide guy that can produce offense and, you know, production wise, like, like Taylor Hall, it, that's been good for them. They had, they had some needs at several positions. Taylor Hall is the, obviously the, the you know, the, uh, the guy that you kind of look at the most, but Mike Riley on defense has done a nice job for them. A puck mover, left shot defenseman. And Curtis Lazar has been real good for them as a fourth liner. And I know, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but he's really filled in well as a fourth line center and given that line some identity. And that's something that the Bruins had been lacking here recently. Bob, when they made the trade, again, as you mentioned, Taylor Hall is is is, is the, the big name in it. And you follow the league. Were you – was it, is there any surprise to you at all that, that Taylor Hall has kind of bounced back now that he's kind of come to Boston and kind of looked resembles the player uh, that that we we've known and watched all these years? Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of figure that one out, right? Um, he had the great year where he was the MVP there for um, for New Jersey. He had a knee injury, uh, and then the Devils struggled a little bit. They moved him to Arizona. You know, he had he had good numbers in Arizona. They just they they couldn't get it done in the postseason. Uh, and then this year in Buffalo was just, I mean, it it was ugly early. Um, you know, for him. So it's still an early sample size. You know, guys, I I it's you know, I'm hoping he can continue to, to produce the way he has so far. Um, even if he doesn't get the points, at least, you know, it gives him a threat, like I said, on that second line that they really hadn't had here recently. So hopefully, you know, things move in the right direction. He's, he's expressed a, you know, a, a, a hope that he can stay with the Bruins here moving forward. I, I, I guess that's, you know, every player, right. You know, is going to say the right things. He said all the right things, but he's done the right things on the ice. So hopefully that continues here for Boston. It's, it's a big piece right now for them as they try to hang in there with some of the top teams in, in the East. Going back to uh, Mike Riley, just what exactly has his impact been? And has he shown you anything that maybe you haven't expected uh, coming in and after the trade? Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I, I talked to a couple of people that, that coached Taylor Hall and, and Lazar. Um, so they had an idea about those two guys, but they really didn't have much of an idea about Riley, just of what he could bring. He was highly touted coming out of college. Um, you know, he ended up signing with Minnesota. He's been with a couple of different teams. Uh, you know, in the games that he's played for the Bruins, he, he's, he's had one bad game, uh, and, and he really struggled uh, in, in one of the games that he's been in. But other than that, he's been real solid. He, you know, he's shown a willingness to get involved offensively. Uh, he can move the puck 
uh, that's a big thing, you know, in today's game. Um, you know, and, and he hasn't, he's been able to get shots through from the point, you know, he, he'll pinch down the boards. It, it, he's made a number of good plays that way. So he's been a good addition and now they're starting to get healthier on the back end. And, and I know that Pittsburgh went through that earlier in the year, right? Where they had so many injuries on the back end and the Bruins are starting to get healthier. They're expecting Kevin Miller back in the lineup tomorrow night, not tonight, but tomorrow night. They got Grizzlick back the other day. He's a good guy that, that, that can move the puck. Riley in the lineup now. So they're they're hoping that this this health continues here for the moving forward because they know they've got some tough games coming up. Bobby, you touched on a new guy up front and a new guy on defense. So let's close the circle here. <clears throat> and I'll ask you about the uh, the young goalie or one of the young goalies. <clears throat> Uh, Swayman, uh, what are your early impressions of him? And is he kind of the favorite to be the long-term successor for uh, Tuka Rask? Uh, I think so. I mean, we, you know, he's been great. Uh, is, and I'm, I'm a little biased to it because he went to University of Maine. That's where I went and I played. So um, he, he's, been, he's been outstanding for them. Um, I, I think that him and, and Vladar, you, you guys saw Vladar, what, a couple weeks ago when he played against the Penguins. Uh, he had that one great save, that desperation save, you know, reaching back with his uh, with his stick. But they've both been really good. So they've got some decisions to make. You know, Rask is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, Halak is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So they've got some decisions to, to – are Swayman and Vladar the guys ready now, or do they need a little bit more time before they can take over full time? But I don't think there's any doubt here in Boston that they believe that that both of those guys, especially Swayman, he's he's been great. That that they think that he's going to be the guy here moving forward. Having played in the league, Bobby, what uh, would there be any perils to casting your fate with two young goalies next season? Do you um, need a veteran hand back there? Well, I mean, you, you guys tell me, right, that Pittsburgh's kind of done that themselves, right, with Jari and, and DeSmith. Um, and they, the, you know, is their window, you know, still open with, with the top guys that they have? I mean, you, you guys have, you know, superstars up front. Um, you know, you got Latang and, and guys on the back end. But, is you know, they're all in their 30s, right, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Bruins kind of have a similar thing, right? They've got Bergeron. They've got Marshan, um, you know, and then Rask is in his 30s. So, you know, they've got some younger defense than the Bruins do. They've got Pasternak, who's still in his early 20s. So they've got some guys to kind of build around right now. But, you know, it's a good question because can you can you take the next step with young goaltenders in there? And it, it I guess it just depends on the goaltender. Um, so far, so good. but it's a very small sample size and, you know, things could go the other way in a hurry, right? I mean, you, you, you go uh, tonight against Buffalo, Swayman's supposed to play tonight against the Sabres, you know, things don't go well, all of a sudden, you know, some, some doubt creeps in. Um, I think he's supposed to play, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's going to play on Sunday against the Penguins as well. Um, they've kind of laid that, that roadmap out unless something changes. So um, it's fun to watch, but um you know, you've got some guys that are they're still in their um, whatever you want to call it. That you know, the, the ability to win now, and I think the Bruins and the Penguins. That's it, going to be a great two game set here uh, Sunday and Tuesday. I think it is uh, between these two teams. They've been good games all all along so far this year.
Uh, Bob, I'll get you out of here on this. Um, one of you, you had mentioned Curtis Lazar coming, coming in to help the bottom six. Uh, one guy who has been a nice addition to that team for the last couple of years scored, has been a big playoff, uh, player for the Bruins has been Sean Corrali. What's happened there this year with Corrali, who I think is an unrestricted free agent at season's end? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, he's So they've moved him over to the wing now. So you've got Lazar as a right shot. He's playing the center uh, position on that fourth line. You've got uh, Chris Wagner, who's a good, uh, hardworking, penalty-killing player over on the right side. And Corrali kind of is now freed up a little bit more. He's had some good games here recently. So he went um, – he he didn't have a great start to the year. They had him at center. Uh, he went through COVID. Uh, he's come back, and now he's playing um, on that left side. And, and that line has been productive in terms of – that's a line that Bruce Cassidy, the, the coach of the Bruins, has used in the past against other teams' top lines Yeah, because they can skate, they can check, they can – you know, do, you know, play the game the right way against and, and play defensively, well defensively against some of the other team's top lines. Um, moving Corrali over to the left, frees him up to get in on four check. Um, he's kind of funny. He's like, he's a, uh, and I love Corrali, but he's, you know, he's a funny skater, but he gets there and he, and he gets there quickly. And, you know, he can, he can cause problems for other teams' defenses and, and try to get, you know, in the face of, you know, some of the skilled players of the other teams. So, um, it, adding Lazar has helped him and form an identity for that fourth line. No question. Very good. A lot of, lot of sign, lot of positive signs for the Bruins, uh, as they kind of come down the stretch. Uh, Bob Beers has been our guest, Bob. Thank you so much, uh, for joining us, uh, today. Uh, uh, this is Tom Reed, uh, for Taylor Hall and Dave Molinari. Uh, that's it for this week's editions of the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.